In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, today, we are continuing our series called God Values as we take a, a look at some of the things in our world today, our modern 21st century world that, that are valuable to God, that are worthwhile to him. And, and as you can see today, we are focusing on the, the topic of outsiders, but really, this is going to be a, a sermon touching on immigration something that has become very polarized and political in our world today, although I certainly don't think it needs to be that way. But uh, before we jump into our our topic for today and and take a look and listen to God's word, what I'd like to do is is to start with a a story. Uh, It's a story of this woman here that you can see in her three children. Uh, This is a woman, for me in many ways, that helped uh, put a face on immigration uh, this is a woman for whom I helped build a home, uh, the home that's actually behind her there, that yellow wall. It was during one of my trips that I've told you all about to uh, El Paso, to Isleta Lutheran Mission. And me and about a, a dozen others built that home that you can see for this woman and her uh, three young children. She had been living in this dilapidated trailer that was falling apart, and so we came alongside of her helping her to have a home um, she helped uh, give a face to immigration for me as she told me her story of, of life in Mexico, as she described the, the fear and the hopelessness she felt there, how she watched friends and family members get shot, some in her own front yard. Uh, she described how she had nowhere else to turn. She had gone to the authorities and they hadn't done anything. She was literally at the end of her rope. And, and when she fled the border and came to America, she said it, it wasn't because she wanted to take advantage of the system or, or to, to live off the fat of the land, but because she was literally, she felt, running for her life and for the lives of her children. Uh, I tell you that story because I think we each have our own stories when it comes to a topic like this. And what I mean by that is we we each are are bringing something to the table when we have this conversation. For some of us, maybe it's a story like this one. Maybe it's your own story uh, as an immigrant or, or maybe the story of a parent or a grandparent who came to this country. Some of you maybe don't have stories, but you have statistics. You've seen things on the news, whether they be crime statistics or uh, financial statistics, and, and you have that in mind, as I have, have some things in mind. And, and I say that just to get it out on the table. <laughs> uh, we, we all come with presuppositions, preconceived notions. It's impossible to deny it. It would be foolish to deny it. And so, to be honest with you, this is, is one of the things that I bring to the table. And, and I would encourage you, as we continue this conversation, because I think this is a topic that can't be limited to a 15-minute sermon. So as we continue this conversation, to be honest about what it is that, that we bring to the table, the statistics and stories that we have that have shaped us. And I also wanted to say it to kind of get it out of the way. <laughs> because what I would like to do is, as much as, as we can, for me to take that story and, and my presuppositions and you to take your stories and your statistics and to lay them to the side for the next 15 minutes or so so that we might in, instead listen to God's word to hear what he has to say. We all come with these things in mind, but we're going to try to lay them to the side to hear from God's word for today. As we listen to God's word, I think what we'll see and what we need to keep in mind is that there are many things when it comes to this topic that we will disagree on. And, and to be quite frank, that's okay. We'll talk more about that later, but, but Christians don't always need to, to think the same or vote the same, and we'll talk about that later. But first, I'd like to talk about what we do have to agree on, the, the things from God's word that he commands and demands that we cannot compromise on. Uh, there are two that I'd like to focus on, but, but the first is this command from God, and you've heard it before, to love your neighbor. This, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about this. We, we hear it in places like Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 44, where, where Jesus himself says, You have heard that it was said, 
love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I, I think what Jesus is reminding us of as we hear this command, love your neighbor, he's reminding us that neighbor is a big term. It is an inclusive word. It is meant to, to bring people in, welcome people in, not keep people out. <laughs> Jesus is, is telling us that our neighbors are, are people who don't look like us and don't act like us and maybe don't follow the rules like us, but they are people that are, that are different from us, that, that our neighbor even includes our, our enemies. We are to love them, that we are to love all people. Jesus makes this clear. But, but if this isn't clear enough, if it isn't explicit enough on, on who is included in that word neighbor, we have passages even from the Old Testament like this, from Leviticus, where God says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. Then God gives this reminder, this crucial reminder for you were foreigners in Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. That even that the foreigners and immigrants among us, God reminds us, are neighbors that, that we are called to love. It, it's everywhere in the Bible. It's, it's Psalm 146, 9. The Lord watches over who? The foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. He frustrates the way of the wicked. That, that our neighbor is this big word, this, this inclusive word. And, and yet it's not just an, an Old Testament word. We also see it, I think, exemplified, lived out in the life of Jesus in places like Matthew 15, where, where Jesus heals the, the child of a Canaanite woman, a, a foreign woman. He, he doesn't ask for her papers or to see an ID, but he, he heals this foreigner, this Canaanite woman's child. He shows her what it looks like to, to love your neighbor as he loves her. We see it in John 4, where, where Jesus comes up next to the side of, sits alongside of a, a Samaritan. And if you don't remember, Samaritans and Jews were like were like half cousins who were locked in this immortal battle. And, and yet Jesus doesn't that count that against her, her, her foreigner status. He, he welcomes her. He, he shares with her the life-giving gospel and welcomes her into eternity. Over and over again, Jesus is loving his neighbor, which, which includes all sorts of, of different people. I think another important thing to keep in mind is, is we hear this command, love your neighbor. Again, this is something we cannot compromise on. We, we need to remember what it looks like to love your neighbor. That loving your neighbor is not just a nice idea, it's not just an intellectual acknowledgement, that, but that loving your neighbor is, is action. It's, it's something you do. It is uh, not just with your head, but with your hands and with your feet. We, we hear this described of God in Deuteronomy 10 where it says God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you. How? Not just with his head or, or inside with a feeling, but by giving them food and clothing. He says you are to love those who are foreigners. And the implication is you are to love them as God loves them by giving them food and, and clothing and a, a roof over their heads that, that loving your neighbor is, is lived out in action. So this is something we cannot compromise on. We need to love our neighbor, all of our neighbors, whatever they might look like, whoever they might be, including our immigrant neighbor. That's the first un uncompromising truth. The second is this, and to be quite honest, and, and those of you who are in Bible study, this is where we saw things begin to get a little murky or fuzzy and messy, and we're going to have to live with that for today. Uh, this side of heaven, it will never become crystal clear for us. Because the second uncompromising truth is that we must obey and submit to our authorities. And this is everywhere, again, in the New Testament, places like Romans 13.1, where God says to us, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. 
The, the authorities that exist have been established by God. The God put our politicians and their policies in place. And that some days is hard to wrap our minds around, but it is the biblical truth that no matter what you think of the person or the policies they institute, that they somehow are not a result of, of our votes, but are from God. Uh, we also have uh, this passage from 1 Peter 2 that says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Again, God's saying that, that our, our politicians and their policies are from him and that we are called to submit to them to obey the rules of the land. Now, you might not like the rules, but the truth is I think we all recognize we need rules. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to any topic, including immigration, there needs to be some structure. Otherwise, there would just be chaos and no one would be helped. And, and so we need to follow the rules. Now, having said that, while we are called to obey, that does not mean that we need to agree with them, right? And living in this country, we do. We have the beautiful freedom to cast our vote and to make our voice heard. And I would encourage you to do that. You, you, you have to obey, but you don't have to agree. And, and that's why... As your pastor and as a church, we will never point the finger at a particular politician or a particular policy and demand that you go into the voting booth with their name in mind or their policy in mind because we will disagree. We'll disagree on how to love our neighbors. Some of us will, will come up on one side of an issue and others of us on the other, but as long as that command, love your neighbor in action, all of our neighbors is, is leading us and, and guiding us, we will, we will go a long way. It won't clear away the, the fuzz and the mess, but I think it will help us. And so that's the question I was going to say I'm going to leave you with, but I have more to say. But this is one of the questions I'm going to leave you with today is to ask yourself this. As you consider an, an issue like immigration for yourself, as you converse with your church family or your friends as you enter into the voting booth to ask yourself these questions. How can I deny myself, pick up my cross, as Jesus tells us to do, and love my neighbor? How can I sacrifice what I have out of love for the least and the lost? Notice the question is not how can I hold on to what I have? Uh, how can I keep what I've earned or deserved? But, but Jesus over and over again calls us to, to lay ourselves down, pick up our crosses, show extravagant compassion and mercy. And if we can ask ourselves this question, then I think that will go a long way. I, I want to leave you now uh, with another story. I started with one, showed you the picture of that woman who has shaped me, but I want to leave you with a, another story that is just as personal, although I think even more so. Uh, and it's personal because it's your story. <laughs> See, I want to remind you that, believe it or not, you are an immigrant. I don't care what country you were born in, you are an immigrant. That's what we heard in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13, and picked up again in, in verse 19, where God says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. Your, your citizenship has transferred. You're an immigrant now in God's kingdom. You are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. See, the truth is that before Jesus came into our lives, left alone in our sin, we were citizens of the world. We were lost and we were condemned. But when Jesus came into our life, whether that was for you as a little baby in your baptism or as a fully grown adult, as you heard the word and came to faith, your citizenship was transferred. And the requirement wasn't that you take a test or that you follow all the rules or that you be born in the right city, but, but the requirement for your transfer of citizenship was the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
and it comes to you freely. It's like he's handing over to you now a a visa into his kingdom, and it's not for a year or six months, but for an eternity. Maybe even better yet, he, he hands you a passport, and he says, welcome in. And it is that love, the love of Jesus on the cross as he stretched out his arms to welcome us in, that love that he showed to his neighbor, including you, that I pray that we would extend to all of our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.